1: Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and today, we're really giving you the business. Wait, wait, what's that? Oh, we're not? Um, okay, all right. Hey, my mistake. Today, we're talking about going into business. Doesn't sound like as much fun for me, but maybe you guys will like it. Hey, ever wonder about starting your own side gig or maybe next great entrepreneurial adventure? Here to help, we welcome from Inc. Magazine, Maria Aspen. Plus, in headlines, millennial money expert Stephanie O'Connell joins us to talk about new layaway alternative, Afterpay. Should you be using it? Plus, Cardi B finds it hard to meet her bills. We throw out the Haven Lifeline and still save time for you to watch the Wizard of Trivia podcast segments do his business. Well, not do his... Anyway. And now, two guys who someday may enter the podcasting business. It's Joe and O... Oh, J-J-J-J-G! While well, we... We hope to,
0: someday, become podcasters. Hey, listen,
2: on my tax forms, this is a business that produces a loss every year. It is not a hobby. Do not do it for hobby purposes. You know that. So, I,
0: I think we're way past the number of years in a row you can take a loss for a business.
2: Uh-oh. Yeah. Good thing they'll never find me.
0: It's not good. <laughs> do we call that, then, a loss leader? Ah! <laughs> ah! That's me. Or you. We're both lost leaders. We are just completely lost on this open. Hey there, everybody. I'm Joe Salci. Hi, Average Joe Money on Twitter and across the card table. Kicking off another week. Happy President's Day to Mr. OG. You
2: know, today's supposed to be a holiday to celebrate Abraham Lincoln. I think. I'm not sure which president in particular we're supposed to celebrate. It's like rotates. I think we should celebrate like um, McKinley. Miller Fillmore. Grover Cleveland. Just... How come there's not more people named Grover anymore? It just seems like a name that should
0: come back. Is that an issue that once it, well, I actually, I've got a good friend named Grover, but there's not that many. You're right.
2: I know no one named Grover.
0: We need some Grovers. Yeah. yeah. Welcome to the uh, Naming for the <laughs> Wind podcast. I don't know. We got a great show today, OG. We've got Maria Aspen from Inc.
2: Inc. Magazine.
0: How about that?
2: Fooled another one.
0: Inc., of course, for those of you that don't know. Is uh, the magazine all about uh, business, running a business? Lots of great uh, small business advice in ink. I think I was reading ink before I read Fast Company.
2: Do you think that there's a satire magazine called Ink, I N K, and it's all about printing supplies?
0: I think there's actually one called Ink, I N K, about tattoos. And I'm not kidding. I think there is. Maybe not. Okay. I don't know. It's all a right. theory. Could be you a bad know. one.
2: Yes. You've got a big tattoo that says, Michigan State across your stomach like Adam Levine said California.
0: Or that guy Super on Bowl. that guy on Meet the Millers, no regrets. No regrets. With an A. How do you think that tattoo would look on LinkedIn? Like if it's part of your LinkedIn profile. You might want to cover it up. Maybe. Thanks to LinkedIn for supporting Stacky Benjamins with the new year. Now rolling right along. Great time to set goals and make sure they're going to be strong ones for you and your business. Making that perfect hire can set your team up for success, find the right people for your business. This year at linkedin.com SB for $50 off your first job post. That's linkedin.com SB for 50 bucks off your first job post. The terms and conditions apply. Thanks also to magnify money for supporting stacky Benjamins had somebody else in the Basement Facebook group today, OG, talking about how they found better financial products on Magnify Money. So it always amazes me when I meet people who haven't gone there. SteckyBegiments.com forward slash Magnify Money takes you there whether you want to pay less interest to the man or better rates on your savings and much, much, much more. Award winning blog, SteckyBegiments.com forward slash Magnify Money. They make it very easy to compare, ditch, switch, and save. We are ramping up a great show for you today. We're going to talk to Stephanie O'Connell, millennial money expert. And we've also got Maria Aspen waiting upstairs. Great show. So let's get started.
3: Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins Headlines. Our
0: first headline comes to us from Refinery29. This is written by LaMilla Leva. Cardi B opens up about her personal expenses.
2: Gosh, I heard this. This is a tough life. I feel the same way. If you, First of all, I love that music. Cardi B is my jam.
0: If you use the internet, the piece says, you're probably already aware that Cardi B's outspoken. But lately, her u- usual candor on social media has taken on somewhat of a political tone. Recently, she dragged a conservative pundit who commented on her sudden surge of political activism. She also spoke out about her reasons for turning down an offer to perform at the Super Bowl. But Cardi isn't stopping there. She's now opened up about her finances. In a timely move, given her recent hit entitled Money, Cardi took to Twitter to post a video, which has since been deleted, clapping back at people who critique celebrities for the money that they choose to spend. Here's the video itself, OG. Let's play the audio from it.
4: You know what I hate? I hate when celebrities do something very extravagant, by something very luxurious. There's people in the comments like, you could have donated that. Oh, we going backwards. You could have done this and that with your money. And it's like... Who are you to tell people what to do with their hard-working-ass money? First of all, do you know that artists, celebrities, the IRS, out of every check that you make, they automatically take 45% of your check. That means in order to spend $500,000, you got to make at least a million. Then like an artist like me and a lot of um, rappers that I know, they literally take care of their whole family. And that's not tax-reductible because the IRS don't consider that a business. On top of that, being an artist, looking good for y'all, doing all this extra shit to please y'all, that s*** costs money. Like me, for example, my bills is like, I'll say about 300000 250000 every single month, and I try to put it cheaper, and it's just it's not.
0: She tries to live on 300000 It's a start. She tries to get it cheaper. Now, she uh, is taking care of her whole family with that money she explained, though.
2: I actually happen to agree with this this take of it's her money. It's her business. You see the highlights of it. You see the fancy car or or whatever the case may be. Maybe she already does give a whole bunch of money to charity. And she mentions that she's taking care of her family. It's a different world. Like you can't compare the spending patterns and somebody who makes five or eight or 10 or $20 million a year to somebody who makes $80,000 a year and then pass judgment on, you know, well, you shouldn't buy that car. That's too much money. You should donate it. It's like proportionally, you could say the same thing with about anybody.
0: For me too, with a celebrity, isn't part of being a celebrity aspirational for followers? Like followers like seeing you in these exotic places. They want to see you Or I think she sells more records because she shows a certain lifestyle. Like for a celebrity renting a car for, two weeks, it'd be something dumb for you and I to do. But if she's going to make a music video with it, you know, we even talked to D1 about renting that uh, Maybach for like an hour. <laughs> so, yeah. he, so he can do that video. <laughs> you know, there's something, there's something there that helps them make even more money.
2: So in that context, you know, it's really not just something as simple as what she's spending her money on. That's a, that's no different than a uh, financial planner taking a client out for golf with two of his buddies hoping to get two more clients, you know?
0: Well, and the point she makes about the IRS also half a million and you got to make a million. That also is very true. Yeah.
2: yeah. I mean, she's rounding, but, um, sure. yeah. And especially in the professional artist world, there's managers, agents, you know, there's all the talent for setting up all this stuff. You know, I saw a story about how uh, Taylor Swift, you know, made whatever, $280 million on tour. And the headline is so misleading because it's like, oh, Taylor Swift made $280 million. It's like, well, she didn't. She probably made $100 million or $80 million or something, which is a lot of money too. But how much does it cost to take everybody on an airplane? Yeah. I can tell you. I can tell you how much it t- costs to take four people on an airplane to three cities to play at improvs. <laughs> I have no <laughs> idea how much it costs to put a whole band on an airplane to play in 37 cities, you know, with a tight schedule and you've got all the people to set up the stadium and the concessions people and you know there's just so many moving parts to that that it's really not fair to to look at that top line stuff and that's no different than any business. You know, it's like you know this too. Being a business owner, sometimes people forget that revenue is not the same thing as net profit. Yeah, <laughs> there's a there's a wide range of other stuff that happens in between there. So.
0: Well, and how often do you see people that have a lot of revenue and no profit? And, well, sure, and that's all they focus on. They focus on that top line. Well, hey, I brought in six million dollars. Well, and your expenses were six point two million. You still can't yeah. you still can't balance your checkbook,
2: right? Yeah, this is just, I think, a really a really good example of you can't compare yourself to people too far away from, from where you are, really. Entrepreneur coaching group that I belong to, strategic coach, one of the criteria that they had was that they segregated your group by income, personal income, not business revenue. And at first, I didn't like that idea. I thought, well, I want to hang around the guys that make a million dollars. But you realize very quickly that People that have the same income have a lot of the same issues going on in their business. And it really wouldn't be fair to the guy that made five million dollars to have to talk to me about my hundred thousand dollar problem. Just like I would never be able to relate to his five million dollar problem because it's just such a different thing. So I think it's important to kinda you know, if you want to follow people on Instagram and have have a little aspiration for moving up the food chain, so to speak, I guess that's fine. But maybe withhold the judgment on how Cardi should spend her harder earned cash.
0: And our second headline, OG, comes to us from Glamour. That's where you and I... Oh, I love
2: my Glamour subscription.
0: We hang out all the time. This is a cautionary tale by Samantha Leach that came out just a couple of weeks ago. Afterpay is making layaway sexy for millennials, but what's the real cost? KKW Beauty, Third Love, Mansoor Gavriel. Boy, I butchered that one. Uh, buzzy brands like these now offer a buy now, pay later option. But is the service leading users to think we can spend more than we can afford? And as I'm reading through this horrible story about this thing called Afterpay, I noticed that they they kept going back to this expert, and we actually have her coming down the stairs to the basement. Stephanie O'Connell's with us. How are you?
5: I'm so great. How are you?
0: Well, we're better now that you're here because I'd never even heard of Afterpay. And by the way, how bad did I slaughter Mansoor Gabriel?
5: I don't know what it is either. It's probably too fancy for me. (laughs) Well, tell us what this thing
0: Afterpay is, though, because you're quoted in the piece. Have you seen it at stores?
5: So what we're seeing right now with Afterpay is that it's an option for a lot of people at checkout, particularly with online shopping. Uh, You can kind of think of it as a layaway program, this idea of paying for something in installments and then getting the item once it's paid off. Except with Afterpay, the way it works is you get the item and then you make the payments. For me, that's kind of troubling, right? Because it's literally telling you, To buy items you can't necessarily afford up front. And what's really crazy about it is that it's all for stuff that definitely isn't a necessity. Like you said, it's for a lot of retailers like clothing stores and uh, beauty stores and for bags. So it's like the epitome of discretionary spending that you can't afford. And that's kind of troubling.
0: They quote several people, people that say that they're horrible with their budget and the afterpay after pay makes them feel better because of the fact that I I don't have to actually spend all the money today. It's only twenty six dollars
2: for the next thirty two years for this <laughs> bag, but it's a great deal. We had this exact same thing happen. We have a two year old at home, and we're working on potty training. And one of our rewards for potty training is we get to go to the water park. So we live really close to the water park, so it doesn't make us make any sense for us to actually stay there, but. This company makes you get a room. That's their ticket. You know, mm. you have to pay. So we just get the cheapest room we can with the number of people to get the wristband. We'll just stay at home, you know, and just go back and forth. But I noticed as I was making the reservations, there is the option for a firm, which is also kind of a after pay type of service. And it's like on credit where it's like this, this room could be yours for $26 a month. Like you said, it's totally... You know, it's a water park for crying out loud. If you need to put your water park on twenty six dollar payments, don't go to the water park.
5: Exactly. What I think was really interesting about this story is they framed it as really as an attractive alternative to credit cards, at least from the perspective of the people using it. I thought that was really interesting because you know you see a lot of those headlines about millennials being wary of using credit. And being in more debt, but this isn't exactly a great alternative to that because you're still going to get hit with major fees if you miss a payment. Sure, you get 0% interest payments if you don't miss a payment, but if you couldn't afford to save up, for the purchase to begin with, then you're probably not going to afford to keep up with the payments afterwards. Well, you see
0: the people getting caught in this. They talk about this woman, Alejandra, 23, a student in Salem, Oregon, admits she's, quote, super bad with credit cards. You can see where this is going. She says, I would just rack up purchases to max out my card. And at the end of the day, I got myself into a hole. But when Revolve introduced afterpay, Alejandra still signed up, bought a leopard print jacket and has been using the service ever since. In two months, she spent about $700 on things like an Urban Outfitters record player for my boyfriend, along with some records and a few NASA t-shirts, she says. So she admits she's horrible, Stephanie, with credit cards, but this is way better.
5: (laughs) Right. I think it's creating a false sense of security. This idea of the 0% interest after you make that purchase. I don't know, this might even be worse than credit because you can't even build credit using afterpay. Right. So bad activity, like missing payments does get reported to the credit bureaus, but good activity does not. So I don't really see the benefit at all, to be honest.
0: What's the lesson here, Stephanie?
5: The lesson is- If you have something that you really want to purchase and it's a discretionary expense, if you cannot save up for it in advance, it's probably a good indication that you will not be able to keep up with payments with a service like Afterpay if you buy it now and try to pay later. So just don't do it.
0: I think that's fantastic advice and we'll leave it there. By the way, since we have you here, there's always something fun going on at stephanieoconnell.com. What are you working
5: on now? Oh, I'm working on video. That's the way we're going now. So we're doing tips every single week on different money topics, short, easy things you can implement right away in your financial life for a quick win.
0: That's awesome. They're always so fun. And you know what? We'll link to your platforms, all the bajillion places you are on our show notes (laughs) page at stackybedroom.com. 42 42 bajillion. 42 (laughs) bajillion. Yes, that's right. I try. I try. Stephanie, thanks for hanging out with us for a few minutes and explaining this uh, train wreck in slow motion to us. (laughs)
5: <laughs> Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks to Stephanie again for dropping by.
2: Yeah, she uh, kicked the podcast up quite a notch by making an appearance.
0: <laughs> yeah, thank goodness. We brought a pro in to save the headlines. She did. She saved it. Absolutely. Sure. And how about this idea of of buying a bag and paying uh, bunches of payments? And if you miss one, bam, you're paying tons of interest.
2: Yeah, if you need to uh,
0: buy a handbag on credit, or shoes on credit. Maybe it's time for a different job. It it very well might be. By the way, thanks to LinkedIn for supporting our podcast. If you've tried to hire somebody lately, you know it's hard. OG, you've been working on hiring people recently, and it is very, very difficult to find that right person.
2: It is. It's very difficult to find good work.
0: Well, now that we're surging into the new year, it's a great time to set goals to make sure it's going to be a strong one for you and your business making that perfect hire can set you and your team up for success. But where do you find that person? You can post on a job board. Then you'll hope that the right person applies, but why leave it up to chance when you can post your job where people already go every day to make connections, grow in their career and discover job opportunities. LinkedIn, most LinkedIn members aren't checking the job boards regularly, but nine out of 10 LinkedIn members are open to and interested in new opportunities like yours with most of the U S workforce on LinkedIn Posting on LinkedIn is the best way to get your job opportunity in front of more of the right people, people with the right skills, background for your role, who are also ready for something new. It's the best way to find the person who will help you grow your business and why a new hire is made on LinkedIn every eight seconds. Find the right people for your business this year, linkedin.com SB, and get $50 off your first job post that's linkedin.com slash SB for 50 bucks off your first job post, linkedin.com slash SB terms and conditions apply. I think our takeaways today, I think yeah, you already made the one about the handbag. If you need a modern version of layaway, modern in air quotes, probably just put the item back and walk away from it. And then I think when it comes to uh, Cardi B and taxes, maybe, maybe people shouldn't be so judgmental about other people and their money. Well, I'm so excited we finally have Marie Aspen here. She lives and writes in New York City. She, of course, is an editor at large at Inc. magazine, where I'm sure you've read her features about finance, technology, gender, entrepreneurs affecting the larger business world. She also writes the weekly Lady Business newsletter about the intersections of gender, business, and culture. And today she's talking about startups, OG. And you know how difficult it is to start up a new business. So, whether you're somebody who maybe casually has thought about a new business idea? You're somebody who not so casually has thought maybe it's time to get a, another stream of income moving, or maybe you're somebody who's already deep into the entrepreneurial scene. Maria's got something for you. Let's say hi to Maria Aspen. And coming down the stairs to the basement, it's our new friend Maria Aspen. How are you?
3: Hey, Joe. I'm great. It's uh, it's good to be down here.
0: Well, thank, we're so glad that you're here to talk entrepreneurship because we don't get to talk about it enough, yet we have friends of the basement who will often write to us and go, Hey, I got this idea for a startup or I got this idea for a new business and I've never done this before. So you're the perfect person for us to talk to. But I thought before we start with all the awesome stuff that's in the book, <laughs> You've interviewed so many people. Like I've watched you interview Bethany Frankel. I've seen you interview at industry conferences. You obviously talk entrepreneurship all the time. You and I have seen a lot of train wrecks. Tell yes. t- tell me <laughs> tell me where the wrong place is to start, Maria, when it comes to starting a business.
3: Oh, there are so many. And uh, you know, one of the things I say up front in the book is like. Not to be a downer, but 70% of businesses fail within 10 years. So, th- there are a lot of train wrecks out there and you can you can see them in so many different ways. One of my favorites that we mention in the book is a woman who had a an events business and she she was thinking about the Reddit guys and all the Silicon Valley founders who, you know, s- crash on each other's floors and start their businesses out of garages and tap their 401k's and use up all of their money and she wrecked the credit score for herself and her husband and her marriage fell apart she she had two young children and it's kind of like that's that's probably not what you want to do to pursue your dream of starting a business.
0: Oh, that just puts a pit in my stomach. And I think about how many times that one's probably happened. I mean, you have a whole chapter where you talk about friends and family. And I want to get into I want to get into friends and family more, but but it is a big issue like when you start a business, your whole family comes with you whether they want to or not.
3: Exactly, exactly. at whether or not you're going into business with a sister or brother, like uh, Allie Webb, the founder of Drybar, started the business with her brother, or if you're going into business with a spouse, the couple that started the Knot, now Exo Group, um, they're married. Or if you're just asking for money from your parents or grandparents, you know, there are all these different conversations that you you need to have or that at least you should be having if you want to make sure that, like starting a business doesn't wreck your relationship or vice versa.
0: Is there generally a rule around that, Maria? Like starting a business with a loved one or a friend is a bad idea or (laughs) or do you just have to know going in that it might wreck the friendship?
3: I think you have to know going in, you know, we talk at Inc., we talk to people on both sides of that, you know, people who have gone into business with a loved one and it's blown up in their faces, people who have gone into business with a loved one and who have said, you know, we already know how to communicate. We know each other's strengths and weaknesses, and you have to be essentially married to your co-founder anyway. So who else should I do this with than my spouse or, or my sibling? And
0: inevitably, I'm sure there's still surprises though.
3: There are still surprises. One of my favorite interviews that I did a couple of years ago was with a they were a couple, a married couple. They had a daughter. They started one of the fastest growing legal edibles businesses in Colorado. So they're in the business of legal weed and they were married. They started the business. Their marriage broke up, but they they kept on running the business together. That, I think, takes some extraordinary communication skills.
0: That's incredible. I've only heard that a couple times, and I'm always amazed when that happens. If your business can endure, well, maybe you found what, you know, the relationship you really should have had in the first place. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I want to quote you from the very beginning of the book. You say, you want to start a business, you've got the idea, you're ready to hustle, but how much money do you need to launch your startup? And then you go into the average cost of starting a small business being uh, $31,000 10 years ago and it's a lot more today. It's a lot less. It's a lot less money today. I'm sorry. Yes, Yes, it's a lot less because of technology, you can start a business online. Is that generally the safest way if somebody's thinking about starting a business is to bootstrap it?
3: Generally, yes. I mean, we, so at Inc. every year, we have the Inc. 5000 list of the fastest growing private companies in America. And we do a survey of the CEOs and we ask them, you know, how much money they use to start their business and also what kind of funding they use to start their business. I think this past year, 42% of those 5,000 CEOs told us that they used less than $5,000 to start their first business. So, and they were able to, they were able to become entrepreneurs that grew their businesses into something that was huge and successful and growing tremendously. But the other interesting point is that only 3% of that group of people, took venture capital. Most of them started their business with savings, with bank loans, with friends and family money. But venture capital, although it's this big, buzzy topic, just really is not a big source of funding for a lot of startups out there.
0: We hear a lot about business plans and uh, people think business plan and they go, oh, it just sounds like such a hassle. Do I get my business plan together first before I iterate, do I start iterating and build my business plan at the right time? When do I start putting it down in writing?
3: As you point out, people have different opinions on this. I'm fairly pro-business plan early on for a couple of reasons. It does force you to sit down and figure out some of the numbers, even if numbers aren't really your thing. You, If you're going to put any money or really even any of your time, any of your Saturday mornings into, into creating a business, you you should able to sketch out how it's going to make money, what the product is, how long it's going to take you to break even. More practically, too, even if you're not going to look for venture capital, even if you're just um, if you want to eventually apply for a bank loan or if you want to eventually convince maybe your parents or, or a high school friend to invest five thousand dollars in you, It's best practice to show them a business plan to say, look, this is I've got an idea of what I'm going to do and how I'm going to make money and and why this is a good investment.
0: Well, I think for yourself, too, though, Maria, I would think having your thoughts together makes not just you look better for your friends so that you're going to respect their money, but also so that you don't waste time chasing the wrong stuff.
3: Exactly. Exactly. Like. Why, why waste the time if this is never going to be a profitable idea, if you're never going to get anything, any, any money out of it.
0: Speaking of profitable idea, you have a list of questions people should ask themselves. And one of the first ones is what kind of business do you want to start? Are there some businesses that are better ideas right now in 2019 to start than others?
3: Well, there are certainly some that are more exciting ideas than others. And Inc. every year does a package on the best industries. We call it that just went live a couple of weeks ago. So, um, speaking of legal cannabis, I think one of them was CBD related products. I um, totally, I totally believe it. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, I see it on all these different coffee shop doors in my local bodega. <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: Shock. Hashtag. Yeah. Shock. Right. But hot business. Sometimes I feel like some people chase the hot business, but they're not that passionate about it. You know what I mean? They're more passionate about making money. And as you know, starting a business is kind of hard. And when that goes away, like like, how much should I chase that hot business versus go after something that I truly love?
3: That's a really good idea. I I would say you have to go after something that you really love and also that you know something about. Um, again, on on the survey we do of the Inc. Five Thousand. Something like 40% of the successful CEOs start a business when they were already working in the field. And that makes sense. It's going to be a lot easier to get something off the ground and also just to see where the opportunity lies if you already know something about the industry, about how it works, if you have contacts and and people who can help you or who would be interested in in buying your product.
0: I I like how you tell a lot of stories throughout your book. As an example of being passionate about something, uh, Melissa, Ben... Ishe? did I pronounce that right? Yes,
3: yes. Uh, uh, baked by Melissa. Y-
0: y- yeah, so she, so she gets canned from her job and goes home and makes a bunch of cupcakes. Tell that story.
3: This is great. You probably know Baked by Melissa, especially if you're in the New York area or they've got a big e-commerce business, they're mini cupcakes. You can have a bunch of different flavors and it's kind of a a guilt-free little indulgence. (laughs) They're always around the ink offices. It's it's terrible and, and wonderful. She was fired from her job in 2008. She went home and she baked hundreds of cupcakes and she would call up companies and places where she had contacts and said, Hi, this is Melissa from Baked by Melissa. You know, I have a catering company. Do you need any cupcakes for your next event? And one of the things that I thought was so so great about that story is that she also started her business with with a sibling, with her brother and and she would go to him and say, like, I feel like a complete fraud. This is just me in my kitchen spending my spending my time baking. And then I'm trying to pretend that I have a business when I'm calling up other, you know, companies looking for catering orders. But she essentially faked it till she made it.
0: How much of being an entrepreneur is being a great marketer? Because that just sounds like a great well, not not a great marketing strategy, knocking on doors, saying, hey, do you want my cupcakes? But it sounds like a ballsy way to market your stuff.
3: Yeah. And I think you have to have grit. You have to be willing to do the marketing hustle and whether that's the cold calling or the Instagram or the podcast, or, you know, one of the things that we mentioned in that first chapter is that if you're going to start something on your own, like Melissa did at first, uh, you have to make sure you build in time to market it, to deal with all the logistics of acquiring customers and of selling it. It's not enough to just spend your time baking cupcakes or, or coding and creating a, an app. You then have to spend your time you know making sure that people will buy it
0: next question you have is how many people do you need to run your startup any guidance for us there
3: That really comes down, I mean, uh, sorry to go back to it really depends, but it it does kind of, (laughs) you know, if you're a service-based business, for example, if you're a lawyer or an accountant or you're offering your consulting services, you can probably do that on your own for quite a while. If you're you're making a product like t-shirts or if you're coding something or if you're baking cupcakes, that's going to be hard to do on your own for very long.
0: I want to talk. You've got several other questions that I'll let people, if they obviously are interested in the questions, to, to read the book, because I want to skip a little bit to some of the places that you go for money. And I want to specifically mm-hmm. ask you about friends and family, because I've had friends and family members ask me for money in the past. Is that a great place to start? Is that a horrible place to start? <sighs>
3: I would say it wouldn't, I would not advise it being the first place to start. First of all, if you have any siblings, that can create tension. For instance, if you're asking your parents for money and uh, they're giving you a $25,000 check and not your siblings, that Christmas or Thanksgiving next year might be a little bit tense. Yeah, right. Um,
0: (laughs) If you don't, you know. But I still think, Maria, not to cut you off, but I still think that tension versus a 0% interest rate or or a much more lean interest rate or people that still have to accept you when the payment doesn't come up on time because you're blood related. I mean, you know what I mean? It seems like there's that push and pull there between uh, tension and uh, favorable uh, <laughs> favorable
3: terms. <laughs> well, absolutely. I guess it's a two-part answer. It's probably not the best place to look for money up front. Like you should probably have some savings built up, maybe try to get a bank loan if you're going to look for outside investors, friends and family is probably the first best place to start. That's that's why a lot of a lot of startups have what they call the friends and family round. When your startup has progressed to a point where you feel confident that you can pitch it to other people. Because then, yes, once you get into professional investors, you've got The sharks or, you know, you've got a lot of people who are going to try to get the best deal for them, not necessarily for your best interests, which is something that you can usually assume that your friends and family will be looking at for your interests as well as their own.
0: Are the sharks before or after going to a bank?
3: (laughs) I mean the sharks generally, not uh, not Shark Tank, because there are a couple <laughs> right. of there are a couple of sharks of Shark Tank who uh, who shared their stories for this book. We would recommend go to a bank first because bank loans. The downside with bank loans is probably anyone who's tried to get a bank loan knows is it takes forever. You have to do a lot of paperwork. You probably aren't going to get all of the money that you ask for, but the interest rates are a lot lower than pretty much anything else out there. And with any sort of loan, whether it's a bank loan or an online loan, you don't have the same conditions that you do with investors, with, with venture capitalists or other outside investors. You're not giving up a piece of your company. So so that's kind of a second level question you have to ask.
0: We talked through about one 100th today of uh, Startup Money Made Easy, the ink guide to every financial question about starting, running, and growing your business. Everything from starting from scratch, which we briefly covered, business planning and bootstrapping, friends, family, and finances, looking for outside investors, exit strategies, which, as you know, is a huge, huge piece of a business
3: such a huge piece of the business. And honestly, until I was doing the research for that book, you know, I didn't realize that the numbers were so different that there were 9,000 businesses sold last year, but only 160 that went public. So even though you've got, even though IPOs like Uber and Lyft are in the news, you know, it's much more common for for business owners and entrepreneurs when they've decided that they want to exit, it's much more common for them to sell.
0: Well, and it always frustrates me, Maria, when I see businesses, there's one down uh, maybe five miles from my house here, this restaurant that has been in this family for a long, long time. And they're mm. closing the business and they haven't sold it to anybody. Instead, it's just, it's just going bye-bye. And, and, and I think that's so much money they left on the table. Because this business has a name. It has, it has people that come to it reliably. It already has systems in place. And I just think, what a – what a, but, but, but I see that all the time.
3: Yeah, it's oh that's so sad. I'm so sorry for you. It's really tricky. I'm from the Philadelphia area and there's a wonderful convenience store chain. Some might call it a cult called Wawa. That's uh that's in Philly. That is a cult. It is a cult, but it's well-deserved.
0: I knew knew nothing about it. And people are like, are you kidding me? You've never heard of Wawa? And then I go to one and it's like angels start singing.
3: It's the best coffee you can get for a buck anywhere on the East Coast. But I bring it up because it's it's a family-owned business. It's been around for 55 years. And uh, about 15, 10 or 15 years ago when... The second and third generation was taking over. The CEO decided to bring in an outside CEO to start selling parts of the business to employees. So the company continued growing um, and became continued being the cult that all of us from the Philly area love. But there was a mechanism put in place to make sure that it outlasted
0: the family. That's so cool. The family, the family ends up uh, having their exit strategy. It becomes more of a cult because the employees feel empowered. I mean everybody everybody wins in that deal. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, where do people get startup money made easy?
3: It came out just last week, so it's available on Amazon, on barnesandnoble.com, in your local friendly bookstore, uh, if you feel like (laughs) supporting print media, which we at Inc. are in favor of. And thank you so much for the interest, Joe.
0: Well, it certainly is exciting. We don't get to talk entrepreneurship enough. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you one last question. Uh, What's coming up on Inc?
3: So uh, I was listening to one of your recent episodes about FIRE, uh, F-I-R-E, not F-Y-R-E. And I I have to say that in the next issue of Inc, the March-April issue, which should be on newsstand soon, we've got a piece all about how Entrepreneurs can follow the fire movement as well and retire early, happily. Oh,
0: that's awesome. And as a guy who's kind of done that, I feel like the two go hand in hand. Maria Aspen, thanks for hanging out
1: with us. Joe, thanks so much. Hey there, trivia nerds. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor Doug, and after listening to Maria Aspen, I am super geeked to start a business. And I know just the thing. I know your biggest frustration. It's yelling at kids, right? It's so time-consuming. It doesn't matter if they're your kids or someone else's kids. Yelling at kids is a big problem. So I've created this amazing machine. Check it out. You just move this lever and press that button and... Get off my lawn! (laughs) Isn't that genius? Or, wait, wait, wait. check this one out. Clean your room or you won't get any cool ranch Doritos, done. All right, hey, let's get you to your entrepreneurial-themed trivia, though, shall we? On today's date in 1953, the first 3-D movie opened, which made it possible for us to see some of the great American classics, uh, you know, like um, Friday the 13th Part 3-D. See what they did there, pretty clever with the three. Jaws 3-D, not quite as creative, but my all-time favorite, Jonas Brothers' The 3-D Concert Experience. Yes, that was a real thing. And no, I didn't cry tears of joy that much. But here's a big question. What was the first completely computer animated movie? I'll be back with the answer in just a moment.
0: It always amazes me when someone in our basement Facebook group says, Hey, where do I find a good interest rate on a savings account? When we talk about Magnify Money all the time, and it just shows me we haven't talked about it enough, have we? Because if you head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnified money, you will see that they're the number one place to compare products, ditch your old bad one, switch to the new one, and uh, live a fantastic life where you're giggling every time you look at your bank statement because of the fact that, I don't know if you'd actually giggle, uh, your mileage with giggling may vary, right? But when we take a look, I'm going there right now. You might hear me typing stack magnifymoney forward slash magnify money. You have to put it in a zip code. So your results may vary. But looking here, CIT Bank paying 2.45. Vio Bank 2.41. My Savings Direct 2.4. CIBC 239. U.S. Alliance Financial 236. Popular Direct 236, Citizens Access 235. It's funny, Wealthfront just came out saying that they're going to pay 2 point, what, 2.24, I think. And that wouldn't even make the top 20 at Magnified Money. What I like is they not only compare savings accounts, but they also give them grades. They'll give them a fine print score based on the amount of complexity of the stuff that you got assigned to sign up what your minimum deposit is that you have to have to get that rate of return, and then how much money you'll save over your existing product. Not only that, they also have better checking accounts, CD rates, personal loans, student loan refinance, parent plus loan refinance options, auto loan. If you have to take out an auto loan, I think I would compare rather than just go to a dealer or just a one place. And then on the credit card side, Balance transfer for 0% or lower interest rates on the credit card. Also, 0% credit cards, low interest credit cards, secured cards to get started. And then, of course, if you're somebody who pays your credit cards in full, I always like hearing about people who actually were able to play the points game using cashback rewards. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash Magnify Money. It's all there. If you haven't been there, you owe it to yourself to just, at the very least, check it out.
1: Hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I just made my first commercial for my new product. Marketing's everything, right? So check this out. Hey there, parents, friends, and creepy next-door neighbors. My name is Doug, and I'm here to solve the number one problem in neighborhoods everywhere. Tired of yelling at kids until your voice is hoarse? Well, say hello to the solution that's taking the world by storm, Doug's Auto Yeller. Just switch this knob, hit the button, and... Easy peasy, right? Or how about this fan favorite? What do you think, money grows on trees? Yes! All your favorite classics are here, but also favorites like I am counting to five! Or this little pearl. Is that chocolate or poop? (laughs) These priceless gems can all be yours for the super low price, of $242.99. But that's not all. Oh no, ever waggle your finger in that brat's face until it hurts? If you order today, I'll throw in my special finger Finger waggle waggle extension. extension. This molded plastic genuine flesh tone extender shakes as close to little Jimmy's nose as you've always dared. Three AAA batteries not included. And if you can't afford it today, old Doug's operators have attractive financing options available. That's, that's right, right. Doug's Doug's Auto Yeller and the, and the Free, free finger, waggle finger Waggle can be yours for the low, low price of $242.99. Plus shipping, handling, and maybe a tip for Lou, our delivery guy. You know, to be safe, you know what? Just throw us some money in the $300 ballpark, okay? Hey, you want in? Send your $300 to Joe's mom, care of Joe's mom's house, with a post it note saying you want the Auto Yeller and Finger Waggle combo. In no time, you'll be saying, Because I said so, that's why huh start placing your orders now and while you're doing it let's get you to today's trivia answer shall we here was that question one more time the first 3d movie opened on today's date in 1953 but what was the first completely computer animated movie if you said Pixar's Toy Story back in 1995 you're probably right to get it right I'll take five bucks off my amazing auto yeller offer. Just tell mom you aced my trivia. Plus, I'll throw in a bonus track that Joe's mom says to me all the time. This is not a hotel, buddy. See ya.
0: Nice job with the Pixar poll.
2: You're yeah, a, not bad.
0: You're a genius. Tell
2: Doug to get out of the way. We got work to do.
0: <laughs> no, he's got all of his all of his uh Crap for his new business all over here. Doug's auto yeller that could be a hit. I'll subscribe. You may uh, may or may not have uh, yelled at the kids once or twice.
2: It's funny. I, I actually don't yell at my kids very often, but when I do, I make sure it's full of f bombs so they know I'm serious. <laughs> nice. Because <That laughs> is... when you don't use them very much, and then you drop them in, like clean up your room, then uh, then they they know you're not. I don't.
0: Around. I don't know why I haven't seen that. Advice and Parenting Digest.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. (laughs) Parenting Magazine.
0: Hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline, OG, and we'll tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, they put what you value first. Putting
2: all of my stuff on easy-to-manage payments of $27.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, yeah.
2: My vacations, handbags.
0: Easy layaway shoes lay away however you want to do it
2: every layaway but i get it now
0: yeah because we have to have it now well it's actually your loved ones in your time if you could have your loved ones and your time on easy payments now how great is that it's why they've made buying quality term life insurance actually simple head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash haven life now for a free quote application simple and online you'll get instant coverage decision prices are affordable of course, all policies are issued by their parent company, Mass Mutual, which is more than 160 years old. Let's say hi to our new friend, Dustin. Throw out the lifeline to him. Hi, Dustin.
6: Hey, Joe and OG. This is Dustin. I've got a question about my 529 plan for my son. Now, I, I could be wrong, but I think I may have actually learned something. And I, I know that's crazy, but it is 2019. And this is the year that maybe somebody's actually going to learn something. So maybe that's me. Pretty excited actually. Now, I think I may have learned that if you are planning on using your money in the next three to five years that you should not have that in the stock market. Well, my son goes off to college in about a year and a half and I have about $20,000 in the stock market right now for that college and I feel like maybe that's not the best place for it if I wanna spend that money in just a few years. So, should I take that money Roll it over into some more, I don't know, money market type of fund or should I leave it there and hope the stock market does fine and just withdraw as needed? What do you what do you think? I'd be happy to hear your thoughts. I'm looking so forward to that T-shirt. Yes.
0: <laughs> that might be a little over and above the Call of Duty right there.
2: It's all right. No problem. Free T-shirt.
0: That is that is awesome. Oh, gee,
2: what are you thinking? So if he's got a college kid in a year and a half, that makes him a junior right now. So one of two choices here. How we tell people to do it is when your child reaches a freshman year of high school, you take out the freshman years of college's 529 money and put it conservative. That might be short-term fixed income or the money market fund, it's still within the 529, right? Because the 529 has an umbrella and inside of it has a whole bunch of different funds that you can pick from. So just pick a conservative option for that year's tuition payment or that year's expense, whatever you're planning. And then you just kind of subsequently do that sophomore for sophomore, junior for junior, senior for senior. And then by the time they go to college, you've got it all in cash. Now, with $20,000 in a 529, I'm not sure that that pays for all of college, depending on where you're going, I suppose, but it pays for some. So my question back to him would be, when do you want to use the money? If you are saying, hey, you know what? I think that maybe I might use this for his last year of school and he's a junior now. I'd wait till he's a senior and then put it in cash. If you're like, I'm going to need this money in a year and a half from now because I'm paying the first year of college and then he's on the hook for the rest of it, then it needs to go into cash by nightfall. There's too much variability in the stock market to afford the chance of that money getting cut in half between now and now and then. I mean, just think of it this way. What if it's November 2007 today and your kid goes to school March of 2009? During that period of time, the stock market was down about 50%. How do you feel if you go to write the check for tuition and you're $10,000 short? You know, because you let it sit in there. Well, you have no time to let that recover right? Because now you need the money. So you're going to have to sell at that moment. So I think it's just too risky. Obviously you missed potential upsides and you could look at that and say, well, yeah, but if I left my 20 grand in there, I might get another two, two and a half thousand or 3000, you know, if I just let it ride. But that's a kind of uneven risk trade for me. Make 2000 against the chance of losing 10. Right. The time horizon doesn't work out. So I'm putting it in cash if you need the money in the next three years. And if you need it four years from now, I'll let it sit in there for the rest of the year, but it's going into cash at the beginning of next year. Not that you need me to
0: agree with you, but I totally agree.
2: Well, that's awful kind of you.
0: <laughs> yeah. Do I get a t-shirt? I approve of this answer. I should answer. get
2: a t-shirt for every one of these I get right.
0: Someday, maybe. Just like this yeah. is the well, year. Maybe,
2: maybe he learned something today.
0: This is the year that uh, people might learn something. This is also the year OG might actually get a Stacking Benjamins t-shirt. Maybe. Thanks for that question, Dustin. We also get letters down here in the mail, and Doug just brought down this one. Hey, Joe and OG, it's often suggested that by age 30, one should have the equivalent of their salary saved to stay on track for retirement. However, it's unclear whether that amount should all be in retirement-designated accounts like 401ks, Roth IRAs, etc., Or if that suggested number can be a total of your retirement accounts in addition to other savings, such as brokerage accounts, emergency funds, cash savings, etc. Understanding that the answer is probably a little different for everyone, I think it'd still be good to understand what the salary saved by 30 number consists of. Thanks, and we'll likely learn nothing. Chris, thanks for the question, Chris. Chris is
2: absolutely right. I have absolutely no opinions about this. In fact, I despise... (laughs) All of these things so much. <laughs> these rules of thumb of like, you know, when you're 30, you shouldn't have this amount of money. And by the time you're 40, you should have done these 50 things. And by the time you're 50, you, you know, bleh, I'm, because it's so different for everybody. And he answered his own question. I know that this is probably different for everybody. Yeah. I'm laughing because I feel
0: exactly the same.
2: <laughs> it's, it's, it's clickbait. He just asked us whether or not we like clickbait. No, I hate it. So the answer to your question is, is you should have as much money at age 30 as you need to be on track for your goals, which may or may not be the same as other people's, which may or may not include retirement accounts or not non-retirement accounts or real estate or cash or money in a mattress or gold bars or whatever the hell you feel like investing in. The answer is uniquely personal.
0: I totally agree. I disagree with the premise of this question completely I think that the best thing for you to do is do what Stephen Covey talks about and begin with the end in mind. Think about what the goal is, earmark assets toward that goal. Use one of the many online calculators that will tell you where that's going to put you. Find out exactly how far ahead or behind you are instead of some random 30-year-old, 40-year-old, 50-year-old, whatever that might be. And you'll get an answer that's much, much closer. And the cool thing is it isn't hard.
2: It was on Business Insider said, these are the 30 places you must visit by the time you're 30. Otherwise, you're not cool enough on Instagram. (laughs) And it was on Flipboard, so it's totally legit. Except it really wasn't on Flipboard. It was an advertisement on Flipboard. Uh, So I I clicked it on Flipboard, opened a new window, and now I have all these stupid windows open, and I'm pissed. And they all have autoplay video. (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) Because how would I know what you're selling on your site unless you autoplayed it in my face? Speaking of, this was brought to you by Haven. You can get Haven Life. <laughs> well, StackingBenchments.com forward slash Haven. Haven Life. Haven Life. If you'd like to, yes. life, you'd like to uh, apply for life insurance, please do. But uh, anyway, so these are stupid rules of thumb. I don't um, know.
0: I don't know, Chris. To directly answer his question, we don't know, do we? What is included? Oh, here, I'll, your... I'll
2: just, I'll make a decision. The decision is it includes all of your money. Done. There.
0: It includes everything. There it is.
2: Yeah, is. So you've got the answer.
0: Yeah, Take it for what it's worth. Doing the math is not that hard. Thanks for the question. If you've got a question for the show, send those to uh, us this way. Head to stackybenjamins.com. You'll see at the top of the page a link that says questions for the show. Click that link. It'll show you the Haven Lifeline and all the ways that you can interface with us. A couple quick programming notes. OG and I are headed to the West Coast. So if you are in... San Francisco. West side. San Francisco, we're coming to see you February 27th. A week from Wednesday. A week from Wednesday. We will be at Bear Bottle Brewing. And uh, if you are on Facebook, just go to the Facebook group. Or if you get the stacker, we'll also have links there. Please tell us that you're coming so we make sure that we've got the right number of tables. By the way,
2: if you... Or just, if nobody's coming, tell us that too. So right. we can cancel our flights. <laughs>
0: If you decide that day, by the way, to come, then uh, have at it. We're happy to have you, but we'd love to know uh, if you know today that you can come join us. OG and I going to be hanging out in San Francisco. Then the very next day, we will also be in Seattle. So our friends in Seattle. We had such a gr- I had such a great time in Seattle. This time I'm bringing OG with me. So the 28th we will be in You're Seattle anyway.
2: Despite the fact that you didn't want me to come,
0: that will be from six to nine. So six thirty. Uh, in San Francisco, six o'clock in Seattle, and we will be at Elysian, Elys- Elysian, Elysian, Elysian. We're we'll going with the first one. Yep. Yes, uh, down by uh, Safeco, right in CenturyLink. Link. Yep. Yep. Yeah. CenturyLink. Right that there. that one. I don't know the exact uh, offhand. Don't have the exact address. Well, the in other front one's
2: closed, me. so don't go to the one that's closed presently.
0: Yeah, it's not actually- at the
2: one that was last year. No, it's the one by the uh, by the fields. So. By the fields. I think it's called oh. the Fields. There you go. That sounds right. <laughs> So, oh, very cool. Yeah, that would be fun. Seattle's a blast, and um, also, if no one's coming to that, let us know that also, so we can cancel our flights.
0: Well, we already have a nice number of people coming to both of these, well, which is cool. Can't wait to true. can't wait to meet. Uh, so I guess we have to go. Can't wait to meet up and have a good time chatting with other stackers. And last, if uh, you're worried about growing your stack more quickly and want to know what it would take to get OG and his team in your corner. They're taking clients right now. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash OG, and that will lead you to all of that. That's going to do it for today. Doug, take it from here, man. What should we have learned today?
1: Well, Joe, here's what they should have learned today. First, take some advice from Maria Aspen. Starting a small business? If so, think about how you're going to pay for the business and expand it well before breaking ground or a sweat on creating a new project. Too many businesses fail every year because they didn't have enough capital, and you don't want yours to be the latest tragedy. Second, thinking about using Afterpay? Take some advice from Stephanie O'Connell and think twice. Sure, there's no fee if you make your payments on time, but if you don't, you're going to be charged a lot of money. And speaking of a lot of money, ready for the big lesson today? If you're throwing in the finger waggle with your auto yeller, charge enough for shipping. Heck, I'm practically giving away these things. Special thanks to Maria Aspen. You can find her book, Startup Money Made Easy, wherever books are sold or through our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. Looking to buy through Amazon? You can support Maria and your favorite financial podcast by using our link, stackingbenjamins.com forward slash Amazon. Thanks also to Stephanie O'Connell for joining in the fun today. You'll find Stephanie's video channel on YouTube and all of her resources at stephanieoconnell.com. This show was created by Joe Salcihi, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at, at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and if you could only know what it really smells like down here. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor.
0: Welcome to the after show, the part of the show that doesn't exist.
2: We talked earlier about Cardi B's question about um, kind of leaving her alone. Like, hey, how how I spend my money is how I spend my But she does have a small request from the government regarding her tax money. She recorded it. We've got it here. Not safe for work. She has a lot of beeps coming up. Steve, take it from here.
4: All right, so, you know, the government is taking 40 percent of my taxes. And Uncle Sam, I want to know what you're doing with my f- tax money. Because you know what I'm saying? Like, when you donate to a kid from a foreign country, they give you updates of what they're doing with your donation. I want to know what you're doing with my f- tax money. Because I'm from New York, and the streets is always dirty. We was voted the dirtiest city in America. What is y'all doing? There's still rats on the damn trains. I know y'all not spending it in no damn prison. Because y'all be giving <laughs> like two underwears. One jumpsuit for like five months. So what is y'all doing with my money? What is y'all doing with my money? I want to know. I want receipts. I want everything. I want to know what y'all is doing with my money. What is y'all doing with my money? Uncle Sam, I want to know what the no. is doing with my money.
0: Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is...